if you have your smartphones and you want to follow along with scripture on your smart device or you want to tag somebody, maybe you'll uh, hear a point that stands out to you and you want to post it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or something like that. Um, I am finding now that the quotes that I put on my storyline get more attention than anything I post all week long. So they're short, they're, they're to the point, and it's always edifying, building up, and something that comes from the message that God uh, has given us. Um, amen. I went to the bank this week, uh, and I asked the teller uh, there at the bank uh, to check my balance, so she shoved me. I didn't fall, so I've got pretty good balance. I'm here all week, folks. The dad jokes are bad this morning. <laughs> I have talked to several people over the last month or so uh, that are walking away from church, the local church. It's very saddening and disheartening as a pastor um, to see people walk away from church. Um, most, if not all, of what I hear from people who are walking away from church. Now listen, I didn't say they're walking away from God. Okay, They haven't lost faith and hope and trust in God by God's grace, but they have lost faith and hope in the local church. Um, and my personal opinion is because there's several different reasons, but one of the reasons is exactly what Bishop Jamie Englehart said last week. We have not removed fear-based doctrine from people. And so when they do face a crisis, when they do face a trial, a battle, a divorce, a miscarriage, a financial collapse, loss of a, just you could name anything that would be a battle, a trial, a situation in life that uh, when they've gone to church, to a community, I believe community of faith and our family, uh, the family of God is very important when we face trials and battles. It's good to draw from one another. When I'm weak and I know that you're strong and you see me, some maybe one day I walk into the church and I'm down and discouraged and you give me a word and I, it perks me up and I can walk away and hopefully we can do the same thing. We can discern um, by attitudes and behavior and demeanor that that's a cry for help, not that people are just acting all stupid because they are making poor choices. A lot of times it's a cry for help and we need to discern that that's a cry for help and encourage one another, that that's a storm right now that they are going through. Because I'll, I'll tell you, you're either in a storm right now, you're coming out of a storm, or you're getting ready to go into a storm. That's just the, the cycle of life as we go through life. So we, when Lisa said weatherproofing, man, it just it, it excited me. It uh, sparked interest, interest in me. I wanted to hear what Holy Ghost was saying to her about weatherproofing, and she's been texting and sending me different things. Uh, but I really was concerned about the storms of life that are causing people to walk away from the local church. Uh, and not so we can have big numbers. That's not what I'm talking about at, at all, because you can have big numbers and not be a good family. Uh, you know, it's not a good place to go, but we have to do something different in the local church that will attract people in this day and age instead of deterring, detracting them, uh, rejecting them when they walk in the building. You, you know, some may walk in and they're having a sexual crisis, so they really don't know what 
type of sexual identity that they have, or maybe their gender is confused and they're struggling with that. And those are all cries for help. But if the, the local church is not a safe haven, a place where they can get the materials that they need to weatherproof their life, they will continue to walk away in droves. Uh, that's why church attendance after the pandemic is down 40%. And now those that were watching online are no longer engaging in the online experience on church, in church. And so nation and worldwide, the church is not growing. We're not seeing the lost saved. And financially, churches are having to shut up. And I don't believe that that's the plan of God because the church is the vehicle by which the Holy Ghost is presented to the world. You are still the vehicle that God wants to use to attract the world to the Father. There's something in you that He has that is a, a sweet aroma, not only to His nose, but it's the fragrance of Christ to those who don't believe. So let me just preempt a few things here and introduce this series of weatherproofing and we're going to talk about some things that we be those things that we be um, God is presenting us spotless and without blame no matter what our storm is no matter what our battle or situation is we are the spotless bride because of what he did so you can't do anything to make yourself spotless or holy it's what he does in us we cannot control the storms of life. But what we can do is not allow those storms to control us. Did you hear me? I hope that's on the screen. We cannot control the storm, but we know the storm cannot and will not control us. Why? Because we have surrendered to the Holy Ghost. He's living on the inside of us. And so that control is given over to the Spirit of God in our lives, and we yield to that so that the storm doesn't control us. Why are people walking away from the local church? Because they've allowed the storm to control them instead of controlling the storm. Jesus controlled the storm. He said to the storm, peace be still. He didn't let the storm dictate to him where he would go and how he would get there. Situations shouldn't be what puts us in the position of trusting God. Lisa alluded to that and said that. Storms, however, are the very thing that sometimes put us in the place of having no other choice but to trust Him. Have you ever been there? Can I see a show of hands this morning that you've been in a place where all you could do is trust God? He's our only choice. Now, he should not be our only choice just when things are going bad and there's winds and waves and floods, but he should be our choice on a daily basis. We should get up in the morning and we have a choice that today I will rejoice in the Lord and be glad. This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it no matter what comes. Why? Because the storm's not going to control me. I'm going to control the storm. Why? Because I have weatherproofed my life. How did I weatherproof my life? I showed up on a, a Sunday morning and I was able to get some materials from the pulpit and from the pews and from the, the worship and from my friends that helped me to weatherproof my life. We are sealed with the Holy Ghost and by the Holy Ghost. It's a guarantee. It's a stamp 
We've been marked by his love. Have you ever heard a message series called I'm Marked? <laughs> I've been marked. I'm not only sealed and I'm not only marked, but I have been eternally redeemed and I have eternal security, if I can say that, because of the blood of the Lamb that has washed me as white as snow. I am weatherproof for the storms of life. I have security in believing that my Father has His hand on me and has sealed me. So the things that we need to be, we need to be some things. Number one is we need to be wise. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We need to be wise. Uh, this wisdom is before the storm. Yes, we need wisdom in the storm to know how to navigate, but we need to be wise in preparing. We need to be wise in our weatherproofing. We need to be confident. That's what we're going to talk about next week. We need to be patient Learning to rest. Jesus didn't learn to rest in the boat on the, in the storm. He, he knew how to rest in the Father before he ever got in the storm. So we can learn to be patient and be confident. And then in the last week, we're going to talk about being brave. Anybody need to know how to be brave? I need to know how to be brave. Amen? Yeah. Let's turn to Matthew's gospel this morning. That's going to be our text. Matthew, the seventh chapter. Matthew... Uh, Chapter 5, chapter 6, and then concluding in chapter 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. So as you look at chapter 5 and chapter 6 and even chapter 7, you're, you're finding the uh, constitution of the kingdom. These are the things that the Holy Spirit begins to speak through the mouth of Jesus uh, on the mountain talking to the disciples and those that had gathered there. And in concluding that sermon, go with me to chapter 7, verse 24. This is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Are you there? Everyone who hears my teaching, this is Jesus speaking, and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man. Stop right there. So chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7 are his teachings. He's giving us the constitution of this brand new kingdom that he is introducing. It's not a kingdom that is still yet to come. It is a kingdom that showed up when he showed up. And it's an unshakable kingdom. It's an immovable kingdom. It's an everlasting kingdom. And those are the teachings, the doctrines, the principles of the kingdom of God in chapter 5, 6, and 7. So he tells them as he's concluding this sermon, he is say, says to them, everyone who hears my teaching but it just doesn't stop with hearing. It then needs to be applied. Whoever hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. King James says, a rock that is higher than I. <laughs> Verse 25, when the rains fell, look at this, this wording, when the rains fell, the flood came and the winds blew. It stood, the house stood firm because of its strong foundation. Be wise. This is weatherproofing. Build on the rock. Be wise. Build on the rock. Verse 27 or 26. But everyone who hears my teaching. So <clears throat> there are two groups of people. Both have heard the teachings. One applies those teachings. And when he does, that's wisdom. I'm studying Proverbs. And when I see over and over and over again, if you'll listen to my instructions, 
He's not trying to give us instructions to punish us. He's trying to give us instructions that will help us prepare for what's coming at us at life. Proverbs is full of wisdom principles that will help us in navigating the storm. It's preparation. Hear my voice. Listen to my voice because I want to pour out discernment on you. I want you to uh, enlarge the territory of your uh, discernment because I want to pour out my spirit of wisdom on you. My spirit of wisdom comes when I give you hear my teaching, but you not only hear my teaching, you apply those teachings to, my, to your life. I mean, if, if Jesus was here this morning, and I believe he is, but if he was in the flesh standing here talking to us and he would say to us, now everything that I've said to you will not only help you navigate through the storms of life, but it will bring prosperity and health to your bones because it's wisdom and you never apply it to your life. So you have a choice to make. You can be wise and build on the rock by applying scriptural principles to your life see even in grace folks there's a lot of things that you ought to be doing and there's a lot of things that you ought not to be doing <laughs> can i get a witness <laughs> but everyone who hears the teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand in the King James and the New King James, I'm reading from the Passion Translation right now, the wording is the exact same for both types of storms or, or people. The storm doesn't change. The rain came, the floods came, the winds blew. One house stands firm because the principles of the kingdom have been applied and wisdom has been instituted. But when the wisdom is not applied uh, and when those principles are not applied, then there's no wisdom in that. And so in the storm, then, that house of a foolish man that did not apply, he heard what the Scripture said. He heard the teachings, but he didn't apply them. And so the foundation crumbles, and what has been built then collapses. And then it seems like in those circumstances of life and situations, all we are doing is rebuilding. It's like being in a hurricane alley where... It's like every so four or five years, the house gets blown over, it gets destroyed, and then you have to build the house back up again. And it seems like in life, that's what most people are doing. Everything has crumbled, everything has collapsed, the house has fallen flat, and they spend their entire life picking up the pieces and trying to build again what had been built before because there was no wisdom of the Scripture applied. The rains come, the floods come, the winds blow, and they are, they are symbolic of the unexpected situations, problems, crisis, tragedy, trauma of life's journey. And there are only two choices in building our lives. We're either be, we were, will either be wise and build on a strong foundation or we will be foolish and we will build on a weak foundation. I don't know how many of you are aware, but during the pandemic, I, I took a job with the city of Nitro, and I was hired as a code enforcement officer, which means I went around and told people if their grass was too tall that they needed to cut their grass. And then because of the pandemic and my undergraduate degree in health, physical education, recreation, and safety, I was deemed a safety officer. That just is God's hand on me and blessing us so that we were financially provided for in what a lot of people were losing jobs. We kept 
being blessed. And then the building inspector left, and when the building inspector left, they said, hey, can you take this test? If you pass this test, you're the building inspector. So I took the test, I passed the test, and I'm now the building inspector for the city of Nitro. I don't know much, I'm learning, but I do know where to go find the information. And so I can go to this International Residential Code, and I can find out. And in Chapter 4 of the International Residential Code, there's a whole big chapter on foundations. And there will tell you in that about soil testing. Because if you don't build or dig in the right foundation, to, or uh, foot, dig your footers in the right area, in the right type of soil, the foundation will not be firm. And then you are liable for allowing someone to build in an area where the soil is not conducive for the type of house that needs to be built. So there's wisdom found within the pages of that international code that I can reference to help people know how, de how deep they need to dig and how what type of soil that they can dig in. There's wisdom in that. So in weatherproofing and preparing for the storms of life and building on a strong foundation, I was reminded then of a few things that I can find in this book, the International Residential Code, because I am the house of God. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I am built on the rock, the chief cornerstone. I have laid a foundation in Zion. You are Zion, and that oh, I feel God. Uh, and the foundation that has been laid is the chief cornerstone, the rock. Christ himself. So the question isn't why do storms come to believers? The question is, what is my life built on? Turn two chapters back. We're staying in the Sermon on the Mount to Matthew the fifth chapter. Are we doing okay? Okay. Matthew the fifth chapter. Now, if I don't read in context and I just start with verse 45, it might bring some confusion. So I'm going to read verses 43 through 45, okay? Your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. And now if you would want reference for that, that's Leviticus 18, 19. He's going back to the law. Your ancestors were taught through the law to love your neighbors. And in Jewish tradition, in Jewish custom, in Jewish history, your neighbor was only other Jews. And hate the one who hates you. In other words, if a Gentile or a Samaritan hates you, you know, it's all right for you to hate them back because they're not a Jew. That's what the law taught. Verse 44, however, <laughs> I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you, do something wonderful for the one who hates you, and respond to the very ones who persecute you for, by praying for them. Now verse 45. For that will reveal your identity as a son of the heavenly father who is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and the rainfall to refresh whether a person does what is good or what is evil? Can I say that in the King James? It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. The sun comes up on the evil and the sun comes up 
on the good, but so that it is revealed that to those that are around you that you are a child of God, bought by a price, and you are following the wisdom of the Holy Spirit through the Father that is in you, Love those that hate you. Pray for those that persecute you. Because when the storm comes, it, that's really when it will begin to be revealed that you are a child of God. Right. It's good when the bank account is full and there's food on the table and there's a good job where the paycheck is coming in and there's no arguing between the children and every, you know the bills are paid. But when things begin to happen and there's a little tension... Ooh, I can feel tension sometimes. There's locations that I get in that I can feel the tension. And a lot of times the tension isn't even towards me. It's just tension between other people. And we can, we can relieve that tension by revealing that we are the child of God, the sons of God, uh, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the darkness, Philippians says. So storms are the same, but the results are different. Can I get an amen or an oh me? It rains on the just and the unjust. It rained words from the King James. It, the rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew. It's the same type of storm for both the wise man and the foolish man. The storm is not any different, but the results are different. The aftermath of the storm will reveal whose house has been built on the foundation of the rock and it will reveal who has not had their foundation placed in Jesus Christ. Uh, I like this wordy, wording. Storms don't play favorites. Somebody write that down. It doesn't play favorites. But listen to the rest of that. But God does. You didn't hear me. Storms don't play favorites, but God does, and you're his favorite. Built on the rock. The wise will hear and apply his teaching as they prepare for the storms of life, and it becomes a firm foundation. One of the greatest um, resources that I have in the storms of life is my relationships. Did you hear me? We need to be wise in our relationships. I'm thankful for my wife. She's a rock for me. I am built on the rock, but I have a rock. I have friends that are strong for me. I do not believe that it was an accident that my best friend on the planet was with me during the storm that occurred. Jonathan was here when that wreck happened. And he was a rock for me. He was praying with me as we were going down the road. We didn't know what was happening, what was going on. It was a storm. But see, what it revealed as the winds died down and the flood waters receded and the rains ceased by God's grace is that we were built on the rock. Our house has not crumbled. Why? Because I have good friends. I have relationships with people of God who have prayed with us, who have provided meals for us, who've sent cards to us, who have undergirded us and lifted us up. Relationships are very important when it comes to the storms of life. You better know who your friends are. 
It's wisdom in knowing who to have relationships with and who to cut off. Just because I have to cut someone off in my life does not mean that I don't love them, I don't care for them, and I don't pray for them. It's just not that they are going to be what I need through the storms of life. They're toxic. Storms are coming. What's your foundation? Number two, Jesus is the rock. 1 Peter 2, 6 says, Behold, I lay a Zion, a choice stone, a precious stone. Psalm 118, 22 says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Psalm 62, 1 says, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be moved. Passion says, I shall not be shaken. And then number three, be a doer, not just a hearer. That's wisdom. James 1.22 says, be not a hearer only of the word, but be a doer. See, because the wise, we need to be wise, not only heard the teachings and the instructions of Jesus, they applied. They began to do what he was teaching. See, a lot of times I think we get lazy when we hear grace preached. Can I just get real honest with you? I think we get lazy sometimes when we hear grace preached and we do one of two things. We become couch potatoes and we don't do anything. Oh, I don't have to work anymore. You don't work, you don't eat. First Thessalonians. What he has done, the work that he has done for our salvation is complete, finished, done deal. It's finished and it can never be unfinished. You are righteous. But there are some things that we need to do because we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, least any man should boast. It is a gift of God. Verse 10, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Be not only a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. I was reminded of Noah when I'm talking about preparing for a storm and God took me to Genesis, the sixth chapter, and I hear Dr. Howes say this a lot, that Noah built an ark for the saving of his family. The ark was uh, God's redemptive plan for Noah's family. How do I know that? How did Noah know that? Because he did not only listen to the instructions that God gave him, but he applied what God gave him, and for 120 years he weatherproofed his life for the storm. Did you hear me? 120 years he weatherproofed his life. He did exactly what, now I could go through a whole sermon and just tell you some of the types and shadows of this ark. He said to pitch it within and to pitch it without, to cover it. You are covered by the blood. You are covered by the blood on the inside and you are covered by the blood on the outside. It is a redemptive plan and he built it for the saving of his house. Are you building anything for the saving of your family? Is it a, it's a redemptive plan. The Holy Spirit will give you instruction that if you will apply what he says 
to you, you will begin to build an ark. You will begin to build uh, something that is safety for your family so that when the winds come and the rains uh, fall and, and the floods rise, your family will be saved. Can I get an amen? Because for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. What does that mean? We're going to listen to the words and the teachings that he gives to us and we're going to apply them and it is a family plan and it will save our house. That's a good place to say amen. God will give you instructions. Be wise. Build on the rock. I'm winding it down. I'm going to land this plane. Here's a few things if you want to write them down that I believe are wisdom that will help you weatherproof for the storms of life as you build on the rock. Number one, you've got to have a different perspective. You've got to have a different perspective. If you have the perspective that the storm will destroy you, guess what the storm will do? It will destroy you. But if you have the perspective that God is with me, his hand is on me, and I'm going to submit and surrender to the plan that he gives me and the instructions that he gives me, I'm going to uh, humble myself and submit to that, then you will not be destroyed. This storm is not to destroy him. This, This storm... I get ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. God's way is through. God's way is through. You're going to go through the storm. The the storm's not going to kill you. The storm's not going to destroy you. You're going to go through the storm. He'll get you through. He's going to get you through the divorce. He's going to get you through the loss of your spouse. He's going to get you through the tragedy of burying your child. He's going to get you through the miscarriage. He's going to get you through the cancer. He's going to get you through the pain. He's going to get you through. What is God's way? God's way is to get you through the storm. But I guarantee you, He will give you instructions before the storm ever comes that will help you get through the storm. Focus on what you already possess instead of what you're going to lose. If your focus is, oh, this storm is going to do this, this storm is going to take this away, this storm is going to lose my house, I'm going to lose my job. No, focus on what you possess. God has already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Every good and perfect gift has already come down from the Father, and He's not going to change His mind. The gifts and the calling are irrevocable. He's not going to take them away. Be more aware of God's mercy instead of injustice. That's a good one right there. Because when we get in battles and trials and situations, we want to tend to point out the injustice. But that's not as important as God's mercy because the scripture says that mercy always triumphs over injustice. Be proactive. Most of the time we are retroactive. We, we await until circumstances happen. And then, in the, Lisa said it earlier, then because of that circumstance, we're forced to trust God. But if you'll begin to trust God and learn to trust God now before the storm and you're proactive in your preparing and trusting Him, then when the storm comes, it's not like you have to, the, the hurricane didn't force me to trust God. I've been trusting God all my life. And what, what did the song say? He's never failed. All my life he's been faithful. Hmm. I might step on some toes, put forth some effort. I didn't say try to earn anything from God. See, there's a difference between earning and effort. And a lot of people got, get that confused and they're trying to earn something from God that He's already given them. So we've got to focus on what we already possess before the storm comes. 
And so now that I know that, now I'm going to put forth some effort, not to earn anything from him, but my effort is in, what if God told Noah to build an ark and he didn't build an ark? He didn't put any effort in it. See, God will give you some instructions, and in those instructions there may be a little bit of effort that you need to put forth in that that creates a highway that expedites the blessing into your life that He has in store for you. Another way to create that highway is prayer. Communion with God. Prayer in preparation guarantees power in the storm. Prayer in preparation. See, I'm praying before the storm. Doesn't mean I don't pray in the storm, but prayer in preparation is when I begin to hear the voice of the Father speak to me through His Spirit in me that gives me instructions that now I have power in the storm. Spend time in the Word. But while you're spending time in the Word, don't forget that the Word already lives inside of you. Did you hear that? I mean, I thank God for the Scriptures. I spend time in the Scriptures. If I didn't spend time in the Scriptures, I wouldn't be able to share with you the revelation because I can't get any revelation outside of knowing who God is and who I am inside the Scripture. And then He goes outside of that to start revealing other stuff to me because I've spent time in the Word. But I have to remember that the Word is inside of me. He is alive and quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. And that's what the scripture says. And it begins to reveal to this to me that this can become quicker and powerful and a two-edged sword. But if I don't have the revelation that the word is inside of me, getting into the word won't help me one bit. Because I know a lot of atheists that read the Bible. But they don't realize that they have the living word on the inside of them. So read the scriptures. You you need to get in to the scriptures and find them because I'm going to tell you one thing. What's in you will come out of you when you're in the storm. Man, I can, I can hear the scriptures roll out of me when I get in the storm. Why? Because that's what's in me. And lastly, as Frank and Angie and the team comes, praise. Praise and worship. The attitude of gratitude. Praise paralyzes the enemy as much as fear will try to paralyze you praise will paralyze him see in that attitude of gratitude thanking the father that he has already defeated the enemy that like lisa said i am in a position of victory i'm not fighting to defeat the enemy the enemy is already defeated so i begin to praise and honor and glorify and magnify and exalt the king of kings the warrior who defeated the enemy on my behalf the one that Gave his life so that I could have his life. And see that praise begins to put on the worship music. Begin to praise the Lord. Get your hands up. In the midst of the storm your hands need to be up. Praising God. Surrendering to the Holy Spirit for what he wants to do in and through you in the midst of that storm. We need to remind our minds. (laughs) Lisa gave me this one. We need to remind our minds which is our soul that we can weather the trials and the storms of life. Your life is too precious to be left up to hasty and rash decisions when the hurricane begins to blow. You can't wait for the hurricane to blow. Your life is too precious. You are valuable. 
You are too valuable. The life of your children and your grandchildren and those that God has given to your charge and your care are too precious to wait until the storm comes to begin to start making some type of rash and hasty decision. That's why we must be wise and build on the rock now. For when the winds come and the rains fall and the floods rise, the house that was built on the rock will stand firm. As you stand to your feet, I want you to look at the screen. I want everyone to to stand and look at the screen with me because I believe this last scripture is so encouraging. Proverbs, the 10th chapter, verse 25. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone. But the righteous... Put your hand on your chest and say, I am the righteousness of God. But the righteous stand firm forever. (laughs) When the storm has swept through, the wicked will be gone. That's kind of um, prophetic of what happened every time some type of storm came. Sodom and Gomorrah. The righteous weren't taken, the wicked were taken. Noah and the flood, the storm came. The righteous weren't taken, the wicked were gone. Who will stand forever firm, built on the rock? The righteous, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you don't take anything else home with you this morning, would you take Proverbs 10, 25? Would you write it down on a postcard, an index card? Would you get it in front of you? And would you begin to remind yourself that when the storm has swept through, because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I will stand firm forever. Make that your confession. You begin to tell yourself that. You begin to quote that on a daily basis and and say, this is mine. The Holy Spirit has given this to me. This is my word. I will stand firm forever. Why? Because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm built on the rock. I'm in, I, he has invested in me and he's teaching me good things. And he's not only teaching me good things and how to live and make decisions, but I am applying them and that makes me wise. I declare and decree to you that you are ten times wiser than all of your peers. Why? Because you are applying that which the Holy Spirit is instructing you to do. And he's so good that he'll give us all of the instruction that we need as we prepare. Detailed instruction. Read Genesis, the sixth chapter, and look at the detailed instruction that God gave to Noah to build an ark for the saving of his house. Can I prophesy to you? He has a redemptive plan in mind for you and your family. Everything that he wants to do for your family is redemptive. He wants to redeem the times that you've lost with children and grandchildren. He wants to redeem the finances that you have lost through the storms of life. He wants to restore some relationships. I see him bringing back truckloads of your stuff. Some of you have lost jobs that were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and he's bringing it back. Why? Because you are the righteousness of God and you shall stand firm forever. So he's going to begin to speak to you as you spend time with him. And as he speaks to you, he's going to give you prophetic insight and instruction 
And if you will pay attention to the detail, when the storm comes, your house will not fall. You will stand firm, says the Lord. I declare that you are standing firm. I like what David said in Psalms. He said, He is the, my rock and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? He said that He is my fortress. He is my strong tower. I shall not be moved. You're standing firm. The winds and the waves will not destroy your house because you are wise and you are applying every instruction that He gives you. Amen. Put your hands together and thank God for that. What is the scripture that our hearts are established in that by grace? Hebrews tells us that our hearts are established in grace. Pray that our hearts would be established in grace. And that our the foundation, I preached a message series on being rooted in love and established in grace this song I want them to sing the chorus to and would you just listen to the Holy Spirit he's going to give you some instruction as this chorus is sang just that chorus of this that foundation of love that we talked about